one name only, Ari. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. <laughs> this is the most divisive guest I've had on the podcast, hands down. Oh my There's God. a lot of people who had various reactions when I told them you were coming on. Wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. That's a, oh, I don't know how to feel about that, if that's good or bad. What is your, your first initial response to that? How do you feel about it? Um, not surprised. Um, a little, a little taken back, but I, I hope that means, you know, good things and not bad things. But, I'm sure it only means good things. Oh, uh, well, I, I can predict there could be some negative aspects to that <laughs> in some way. When did you first move to Nashville? I moved to Nashville at the end of 2019, like October. So without me, I, I moved away for a little bit, like once COVID hit and moved away for several months. And then I came back at the beginning of 2020. Where are you from? I'm from Akron, Ohio. Oh, nice. Where the Black Keys are from. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So you uh, came back after COVID. I didn't know you as a music person when you first came to Nashville. I didn't know you could sing. It wasn't yeah. until after you came back that I knew. I was very shy. And, like, I was songwriting a lot, and I was doing a lot of co-writes and going to a lot of open mics and just trying to, like, shake some nerves out. But I was still, like, extremely timid about, like, doing music and singing in front of people just because, like, I didn't really have, like, the support necessarily behind me because I was... I've never really, like, showcased my talent, like, at that point. So, like, people are like, why the fuck are you in Nashville, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so you were just here kind of doing, hanging out, yeah. living life. Meeting people, making friends, making connections, and, you know, met some awesome people that I ended up just writing with and then going down to Memphis and recording um, in a studio called Memphis Magnetic and doing some background vocals and stuff for someone down there. And I've touched a little bit of everything and then moved away and went to Mississippi. I was dating somebody at the time. and Mississippi? Yeah. I was in Jackson, Mississippi of all places. Fun. What a, what a place, Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. Don't ever move there. So. Uh, so you come back and you start singing on Broadway. Yeah. Um, so I came back in like March of 2021 and I knew in the back of my mind, I was like, I just need to go. I just need to just just keep playing out and just get rid of these stupid nerves and this anxiety and just start singing. And I started dating somebody that would bring me on stage and, you know, wanted me to come up and sing with their band. And then it, it got to the point where I was like, okay, now I want to play in a band and I want to like start making money doing music. I see all my friends are on Broadway making money and I'm at this miserable like bartending serving job. Finally auditioned at Tootsie's, got it, and started from there. What was the experience of auditioning at Tootsie's like? I was so scared. I remember I begged my boyfriend to stay with me, and he had to go play at another bar, so I had to sit there by myself and wait for auditions. And you do two songs, and you play with the house band, and I just, I didn't know anybody, so I was just by myself. And I'm like, okay, this is really scary. What songs did you do? I did Dreams and I did Come Together. Okay. So, and it went well? Oh, yeah. The the booking, you know, main booking guy, Uncle John, watched me. And as much as it's like a country town, he loves rock music. So he was blown away and immediately was like, 
you're going to honky tonk school. See me tomorrow. What is honky tonk school? Honky tonk school is, so when you audition for Tootsies and you get in, they have this thing called honky tonk school. And ultimately it's, they show you the ropes of how to make money on Broadway and how to have really good shows and to get really good crowds and kind of the gist of like what kind of set list you should do and the diversity of it. And sometimes they'll try to pair you with other musicians and put bands together or sometimes, you know, they'll just put you as an acoustic act if that's what you do. So it kind of depends on who you are. But thankfully I had my friends able that, you know, wanted to play with me and I didn't have to like be paired with random strangers that I didn't know. And we already had a set because everybody was already a veteran to playing on Broadway. And knew the songs. Yeah. So a little bit easier than I think some people kind of have it down there. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a behemoth trying to play down on, on Broadway. It's like, I've thought about it a couple of times and I've wanted to do it for the challenge, but I'm just, I feel like I'm in a place where I don't really give a fuck about playing live anymore. You (laughs) know? Yeah. Like, I've played a ton of gigs. I've played mainly over at the clubs in East Nashville, so the Cobra, Five Spot, all those places with various bands. It's been great. I love it. Not saying I'm not going to not do it forever, but right now, I just don't want to. I don't like being out till 2 or 3 a.m. We were out late last night. That's the first time I was out late. Yeah, you can't get food in East Nashville. No, (laughs) No, you can't get food anywhere in Nashville after like 10. Yeah, what the fuck? I was pissed last night. It was legitimately making me angry because the first place we went was Dino's, and they said, hour wait, when I put in my order. And I said, no can do. I don't wait in line. We should have just stayed. We should have stayed. (laughs) <laughs> because then after that, we went over to Nobles was the next spot, yep. which was honestly my kind of fault. Because I was like, I they didn't have a full menu. Uh, it was yeah, just straight. Ten, they only have like snacks, like a couple things. Yeah. Ew. And I wanted like food, food. Yeah. And then we went over to Five Points Pizza. They stop at 11. And it was like 1130. Yeah. And then Red Door. And they were not serving food. And then we went to... Uh, where did we go after that? Lakeside Lounge. No, we went to uh, Dukes before that. Oh, Dukes. And they said it 45 was 45 minute wait. Yeah, another 45 minutes. But, but she gave us chips. She gave me a bag of chips. She was like, I'm sorry. It's it's taken so long. And she gave us a free bag of chips. Aww. And then, uh, and then yeah, we finally settled on Lakeside Lounge, which they've recently changed their menu. Really? Yeah. I love their food. Yeah, they do have usually really good food. I mean, the food was good last night. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I think they put like uh, like cinnamon on the French fries. Didn't it taste like cinnamon to yeah. you? Yeah, I thought that it was too. Interesting. Because they also serve sweet potato fries. Oh, yeah, I saw that on So there. they probably put them on those too. Yeah, there weren't a lot of items on the menu. There were like six items. In no, honestly, <laughs> straight up. I don't like white people menu like like that. It's, it was like a white person menu. Right. Chicken, they had a queso burger. Chicken fingers. That sounds so good. Fries. I'm not into it. Chicken wings. A burger. The reason I like Dino's is because they do a couple of things and they do it well. Like the animal fries and yeah. like, you know, the Dino's damn cheeseburger. Oh in general are probably among the best in Nashville. I kind of want to go get some after They're this. They're <laughs> I'm not opposed. Their fries are amazing, though. I, yeah, I mean, no. they're bur- obviously they're known for the burger, but but even then, it's like like you said, they have like limited shit, but it like it's really good. And the, but the thing is, what sucks about like East is like, and not even just East, Nashville just does not serve food past a certain time, and especially Broadway. As a musician down there, it's like 
if you're playing a late gig and you get out at two, three o'clock in the morning, there's nothing open. Right. And it sucks. And then now they're cracking down more on like the street vendors and, you know, bar owners are complaining about, you know, street vendors like serving food. And it's like, well, I mean, if you're not going to serve food past, you know, 10 o'clock, then like, what do you want us to do? Yeah. Yeah. We almost got a brat last night. We actually said that (laughs) we saw a street vendor and we were like, fuck. But it was after we we ate. Yeah. I would, I would have much rather have gotten the food from the street vendor. It would have been cheaper too. Yeah. And it would have been better. Yeah. Honestly. Right. Yeah. Ever since paradise park, uh, that was my favorite. Yeah, that, that was the place the to best eat yes. night downtown. Sweet potato fries, the best everything. Their burgers, and it were was great. like inexpensive for Broadway. And Broadway yeah. is like we already like don't get discounts like as musicians. Do they like, feed what, you at, uh, at like any of the at Tootsie's or Kid Rock's? No, really, no, they don't. I mean, that's, that's th- I think the like I think Honky Tonk Central and Tootsie's does like fifty percent off, but like no free drinks, tip, you know, no free food, yeah. and then. I mean, most bars don't do that down there, unless if it's, like, Johnny Cash's and, like, Nudie's will give you, like, free drinks. But other than that, it's, like, there's, like, a limit. And the food is, it's just subpar. It's just, like, everyone's, like, oh, we have this amazing menu of, like, all this diverse stuff. Unless you're going to, like, Casa Rosa or whatever it is, the Miranda Lambert's place, that Tex-Mex, I will say, is really good. I haven't tried it yet. It's good. I used to live in Texas, so... The Tex-Mex is, is pretty spot on for what it is. So I've heard decent things about Kid Rock's food. I have only eaten chicken tenders at Kid Rock's. I don't okay. think I could ever bring myself to eat a steak at Kid Rock's. I'm sorry. No, I it's feel a, you. It's a, they, it's a steak, quote-unquote, place. Right. I, yeah. No, thank you. I didn't even know that that's what. Yeah, it's no, Kid Rock's Honky Tonk and Steakhouse. Yeah, they have a full steak menu. Like, you get a ribeye or a filet. It's like $40, or though. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, they've got, they do have a full steak menu, but I feel the same way. It doesn't feel like a place you should get a steak at, but I have heard that their food tends to be good. Yeah. I've never had it, though. Their fries are good. I mean, it's like, typically, like, if I'm going to eat something for after a gig, it's going to be something pretty basic, but, like, I don't think I could bring myself to eating a steak at Kid Rocks. So. Right. Yeah. And that's all I will say about that. <laughs> is Paradise Park gone now? Yeah, I it's think It's turning again? into a, is like a Garth Brooks bar. Oh, God. Friends in, oh, like, so now, like, the like the bottom half of it's a gift shop, Friends in Low Places, and they're, like, working on the rest of it, but Steve Smith bought it. Hmm. So now... And he owns Tootsie's and all the And places. Kid Rocks and Honky Tonk and, like, the diner, like, all these different places downtown. Interesting. Yeah. What have you noticed the difference between the bars is down there? Um, I think hmm, that's a toughie. You know, they're all kind of ran pretty similar. Some places are more lenient about certain things over others. Certain bars won't let you have your own like banners or signs for your band. Certain bars um, won't let you have a tip bucket. Certain bars will let you have all those things. Well, uh, I... How can they not let you have a tip bucket, though? Like, are they paying you a higher rate? Sometimes it, it can be like that. I know it's very, like, slim places that do that because, I mean, it's kind of unrealistic, you know, for Broadway. But there's been times where it's like, yeah, they just think, like, well, if we're paying you X amount of money, like, why would you need to make tips? And it's like, you know, I, I just find that really ridiculous. Like, I know Kendra Scott you know, they, which isn't even like a bar, but it's a store in Fifth and Broadway. And they posted a statement, I think like a m- couple months ago, 
about, you know, they're looking for performers to do like some acoustic shifts like throughout the day, but it was like no tip buckets. Um, you couldn't have like obviously like signs or anything like that. And pretty much like they just wanted you to play music. Weird. And that was it. Like, you know, you got like no benefits from it other than like, I think what they even said was that you can either get paid like a little sum of money or you can trade your pay in for a piece of jewelry. Oh, wait. And was, so, yeah. Was that that post that you shared? I yeah, saw this they, they had to put a Facebook. statement out. They're oh. like, oh, well, we misjudged. It's like, how did you misjudge? Like, you pretty much said that you don't really want to pay the musicians, but you, you'd you give them a piece of jewelry in exchange for their work. Yeah. Like, There's artists that will do it, though. And, the, and there are. There, you know what? There is, yeah. And as somebody that used to buy Kendra Scott shit back in high school when it was, like, cute at that time back in, like, 2017, I, I'm sorry. I don't give a shit about jewelry. Like, I want money. Like, pay me for right. my work. Let me, like, make tips. Like, let me, like, you know, yeah. make a living down here. The that's, the, that's the thing. Is like, some places, and it doesn't even have to be, like, on Broadway or just, like, can be shitty like that. Or it's, like, you can't, at nudies, you can't even wear certain things. If you wear a white T-shirt, they won't let you in. Oh, for all patrons, right? Yeah. But yeah, even, like on, like, on stage or whatever, like, to musicians... They've, like, made, like, I know somebody down here, I don't even remember who it was, but they made somebody, like, go home and change because of, like, what they were wearing because it was just, like, too, like, casual. Not even, like, too casual, but too, like, mm, I want to say so many things, but pretty much they don't want to bring a certain type of group of people in. Hmm. So they don't want you to dress a certain way because it will attract certain types of people. They want people who wear sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> they want people. Are they trying not to get like rednecks or what? What the? What is the deal? Um, I guess they don't want. I don't know how I'm gonna say this and like word it. Just right fucking right. say it. Say it. <laughs> they just don't want like a lot of. Ah, uh, I don't. There's like a certain. I wouldn't say, like, street style, but, like, there's a certain word I'm thinking of that they, like, don't want. They don't want black people? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, I guess. I just, I I don't don't like to word it better. I like to word it better, but pretty much, like, I've noticed that. Like, I've seen people get kicked out, Hmm. and it's only been, like, people of color getting kicked out. At nudies. At nudies, and I, well, it's been mostly nudies that I've seen. And I don't, I don't really play there. I used to play in a band that plays there, and yeah. I don't play with them anymore. But, yeah, I've seen that happen or, like, you know, it's like you'll see somebody else walk in, though, wearing the same thing, and they, no, nobody says anything And they don't care. Them. They don't care. So if a white person walks in wearing that, sure. what you're saying yeah. is they don't get kicked out. Yeah. But if a black person walks in wearing that, then they've gotten yeah. kicked out. That's fucked. Just what you've seen. Yeah, I've okay. seen that. And I've seen it. It's like whenever Rebar was open and Not like that the whole dam. situation that happened at Rebar in Midtown where like that oh, yeah, manager was like openly like racist to like, was it like a guest or like an employee or somebody? I actually don't know about that. Yeah, yeah there was something this. that happened. Like that was like really recent. Allegedly. Everything we're saying is allegedly, alleged, by, yeah, by the alleged, way. Alleged, yeah. allegedly speaking. Yeah. But well, they ended up shutting down because their business just went. Just just Whoa. out. So no one would fuck with them after that. Yeah. So they're out. Like, Rebar is out Midtown and um, in East. 
So they've completely closed. I don't know if they're going to reopen as something else or if they're just going to redo everything. But, like, I know, like, specifically in Midtown, like, that whole controversial thing happened with, like... I had no idea about this. Yeah, they... Yeah, yeah, that happened. And so that's why if you ever drive through Midtown and you see that just one building that's just completely... You know, you have Kung Fu Saloon and you have um, Red Door and everything popping off and you just see this one empty building like that was rebar. That was a pretty popular place, too. Yeah. Well, if you're allegedly being racist, I mean, like, you know, and not not being, uh, you know, inclusive in, you know, being how a human should be and be <laughs> fucking fair to everybody. You know, yeah, you should probably shut your doors because, yeah. like, why would anybody want to go around. to a place like that, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's crazy. So, like, the breakdown of the bar ownership downtown. So, Steve Smith, that's the guy's name, right, who owns Tootsie's? Yes. He owns Tootsie's. Tootsie's. Hon- he owns Honky Tonk Central. Yes. Kid Rocks. What else? And um, Rippies. Rippies, okay. And he, from what I've heard, he bought Paradise Park. And I don't know if it's just, like, if he really does it. Um, I know his son um, runs a lot of it now. Um, they have, like, a marina in um, Smithville. I've heard about that. And they yeah. have another bar out there, too, yeah. right? Yeah. And, um, oh, there's another place. There's the diner that's downtown. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, and 23-hour liquor license. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That place... It's pretty fucking sweet. I've never, I don't think I've ever had a bad experience at the diner. I I like their food and it's, it's really good. But yeah, that whole, um, that whole little like Tootsie circuit. And I think there might be something, a couple other places or things that he owns, but, oh, he owns the Hermitage golf course or he owns like a couple different golf courses, I think. So, I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't know all the details or what he does own or not, I I just know that I work in some of his bars. So, so do you only work at the Steve Smith owned bars, or have you gigged other places? Um, I've previously gigged like other places before. Like I've fully committed to just doing like Kid Rocks and Tootsie's and Honky Tonk Central. But I played in Johnny Cash's. I've played in Nudie's. I've played. Um, I've done a little bit at Tin Roof. I've played Acme. Um, Standard Proof. Uh, yeah, I think those are, like, the main ones that I've done. So it, are there other conglomerates like Steve Smith that own a couple of bars? I know Johnny Cash's and Nudie's are, like, I know, like, their booking is the same. Like, if you play for one, you'll probably play for both of them. So okay. I, I think that those two are connected. Um, other than that, I really don't know, like, what the gist is with, like, Tin Roof and, like, Layla's and all that stuff. And, like, if that's just, like, one singular person that owns it. I just know Steve Smith, like, owns, like, a lot of Nashville. He owns a lot of Nashville. Well, Tin Roof is kind of like a franchise, too, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like a Tin Roof circuit. Yeah, you can go on a Tin Roof. Panama City, right? And also. Oh, yeah, there's a Tootsie's down there, too. And they own that. I think Tootsie's is kind of somewhat of a franchise i think they have a few different of them but i could be wrong i don't yeah. know I, I know that there's one in pcb though and i'm pretty sure they own all of them so yeah which i mean hey i'm like those places are always busy i mean I've, i don't think like i've ever not made money in like those bars yeah so where are your main places right now 
Um, so I was playing at Kid Rocks exclusively, and now I am at Tootsie's and Honky Tonk Central throughout the week and the weekend, which is nice. It's a little bit of a change of scenery and not just so much one place every single day. I'd rather play at a couple different places and just kind of break it up a little bit. But either way, I still have people that have just seen me in the last year that continuously come back no matter where I am, which is cool. Nice. Do you have a solid band right now, or are you kind of just doing the hired gun thing? Well, <laughs> well, we can talk about as much as you want to talk. Yeah, about. Um, I was playing in a, can, a pretty you know tight knit band, and then I I just recently quit. So why did you quit? Uh, my experience wasn't going as wonderful as I would have hoped it should have been, at least. But um, I the last several months of just getting really consistent shifts at Kid Rocks uh, with that band was really great. Um, really grateful for the experience and like everything that I've learned and like all the things that I've done. Um, I just personally was not happy and I didn't feel like my work ethic was being um, appreciated or like just, it, I just felt like it didn't matter. So I made the decision uh, recently to part ways and quit. And now I called my booking person, um, one of the guys that works for Tootsies, and asked him to pair me with a different band. And now I play with a group of like older guys. Like there's like Tyson Leslie that's gonna be like on keys, and like I know that he's like familiar like with the rock scene and um, a couple different guys I've already played with before. Whether I filled in with another band or whatever. And ultimately, we don't have, like, a name or anything yet. And it's just Broadway. It's not... This isn't, like, original stuff. But it's... You know, the last week or so of playing with these new guys, I just feel a lot more, like, refreshed and just more, like, refocused on, like, what I actually want to be doing. And, like, I just feel better about my situation right now. So, Do you think these guys will stay in the band, or are you kind of just feeling it out right now? Um... I know the drummer really likes me and, like, wants to, like, play, like, original stuff. And he's, you know, all these guys, like I said, are, like, much older than I am. So, Mm. you know, they're veterans to doing this whole thing, and they're comfortable with doing Broadway and just that being a thing. Experienced players. Yeah, experienced players. And they know, like, every single song ever created. And it's, it's, it's ridiculous. So... Uh, we'll see how that kind of goes as, like, you know, the weeks progress and the band kind of, you know, progresses and, and learns all of my stuff, which they pretty much know all of it. But there's a few songs here and there that just like get down. shit that you changed a little bit. Yeah, and yeah. just stuff I did with the previous band I was playing with um, that I would still like to keep doing. But the cool thing about what I do is I can do all of the guy hard rock songs on top of doing chick songs. And there's like... Yes. Not a lot of people that can do ACDC and then do Man, I Feel Like a Woman. Well, you know? what I fucking oh, yeah. love, like, if I'm going out to see a band play, I don't want to see a dude singer doing ACDC or Led Zeppelin. I want to see a chick doing it. Yeah. I think it's it's badass. It's way cooler. It's hot. It is hot, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just yeah. like a woman being able to wail, like, a whole lot of love or any of that shit. It's like I love it when there's like gender bending shit like that with music. Anytime a song that because those songs are clearly like very much written from the perspective of a dude wanting to get laid. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then to have a chick sing it, it just I think it adds a different context to the situation. Right. Yeah. I think uh, so. The first band. I started out, like, on Broadway playing with, like, my friends and my boyfriend at that time and, like, 
we called it like the almost famous band, like the movie, because that's I'm really passionate about that little film and whatever. And I thought it was cute. And then, you know, my boyfriend at that time was playing in his own band that he has. And so we ended up just meshing together. And so I was playing with the Garden of Eden, which was really cool. And there was just like, you know, that kind of, um, hey, like you do more of like the chick songs, like, and I'll do like the Led Zeppelin and the ACDC mm-hmm. and stuff, which to me, like. And you weren't having that? Oh, no. I was like, <laughs> I did not like that because it was just kind of like, I mean, if we can both sing it, it's like at least like let's switch off. You know, of course I'll do like Fleetwood Mac. Of course I'll sing those songs. But if like, you know, somebody requests like a Led Zeppelin tune, I mean, if I don't really know it, yeah, I'll go ahead and sing it. But if it's like a whole lot of love or like rock and roll, I'm like, why can't I try it? You know, and. I did not enjoy having to deal with that, but ultimately, you know, from playing with other people and learning a lot from some of the people down here, I just started to be like, okay, whatever, I'm still going to fucking do it anyways. Like, I, I'm just going to keep doing it. If I can't do it in this group, I'll do it in another group. And if I can't do it in that group, then I'll, I'll just keep learning and doing it and watching other people do it and, you know, then randomly calling it out and, you know, the band's not going to say no. Somebody might give me the side eye, but then I do it, and then it's like, oh, shit, like, we never knew she could sing that song. And then, like, there's a whole different crowd reaction. I remember when I was playing on Kid Rock's main stage, uh, my co-front got off, and he was uh, out in the audience uh, running the tip bucket, and I called one, like, this one song, like, was never really allowed to do and it was pour some sugar on me, but I love I love singing that song, and I always get told when a girl sings that song, it's like, it's so fucking badass. Well, I called it. And I'll never forget, he turns around and he's like, you asshole. Uh, you asshole. But the thing is, when I did it, though. Was it badass? It was bad. The whole crowd was like, dude, that's fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. Because nobody expects it. Or if it's like, if I call out, like, Thunderstruck, nobody right. expects a girl to sing yeah. it. Yeah. And to be able to sing it well. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Well, so. I've seen clips online of you doing, like, TNT... And you also were, I think, wearing, like, this jumpsuit. Do you have a jumpsuit that you wear? I had this, like, black, like, like mesh jumpsuit, like... You're a great suit. front woman. Thank you. You have great stage presence. Thank you. And you have a great voice as well, but, like, your stage presence, just watching you interact with the audience and you're, like, walking on top of the bar and shit. Yeah. It, it, I've always just thought you, you've been, like, super talented. Yeah. Thank you. It, you know, and, and I started from a place of even just having my little phone clip in front of me and like just standing there tapping a tambourine and just, you know, not trying to bring so much attention to myself. Went from there and started watching people on Broadway and making more connections and going to people's shows and like watching how like all these shows are put on and like how these big crowds come in and stay. And over time, I just kind of stopped caring about what people thought about me because, you know, I was really, sub, you know, just self-aware and like a little bit like self-conscious about like you know what I would wear or like what I'd say or do so I just try to like keep it really low-key but then I was like getting more confident with myself getting more confident with the set learning more songs adding more like upbeat rock and roll like badass songs to the set and I was like you know I can't just stand up there and sing this song like I gotta be doing something and I'm a trained dancer I danced for 12 years um, ballet, tap, jazz, all that stuff. Oh, so, shit. So, like, I, I, I have to be moving in general. And I just couldn't, like, hold it back anymore. And I just started started kind of getting up on the bar at nudies mm. or just yeah. for even, like, a second or just started, like, dancing around, started just, 
you know, making myself more and more of a performer on top of being a singer because entertaining is so important. You know, you can stand up there and sing, but when you put something behind it and and you're moving and you're getting the crowd move with you and having that crowd control, like it, it brings something different to the show. So when did you get into dancing? Like how old were you when you started? I think I was three. I was three and my mom put me in, you know, typical like three-year-old like ballet class. And my sister was, did the same thing in, we went from ballet, started doing tap, and then jazz, and as we got older, you know, she did hip-hop, and I did, like, kick line, and I even did, like, Scottish dancing one year. Oh, shit. And, like, so that was really interesting, but... Did you have several different teachers, or did you have, like, one consistent teacher while growing up for dancing? Uh, I had, like, two consistent teachers, but then, like, as I started taking, like, a little bit more, like, different dance classes, then I kind of worked with I think one or two other like newer people but it was it was a recreational dance center so like it was pretty much the same people that work there yeah. all the time uh was that like dancing and all of that was that something that taught you how to have a work ethic or w- what role did dancing play in your life were you doing it competitively I did it competitively in high school I was on a drill team in in Texas and which is like um it's like a dance team you were like little cowboy hat and boots and you have like a you know uniform and then you can go and compete um and do more of like lyrical uh contemporary like dances like that and competed with that but ultimately I think like dance and music have always been something I've really enjoyed and so like I think it's just as naturally like come to play like as I've gotten comfortable as a performer just to start dancing around and like making my own steps or watching videos of of some of my favorite performers like Stevie Nicks where she would she would just do whatever she wanted on stage and have tambourine shake it around but she would do like the Charleston and she would just she would just get into it and I think that just kind of has all come together for me I don't think it's it's been something I've I've had to just force myself to do. I think it just has started to come out as I've gotten comfortable. So it's been a a natural progression. Yeah. Because from what it sounds like, it's like you had all this background in dance and in an aspect performing before you moved to Nashville. Right. Where you logged a bunch of hours. What about the singing? So is the singing something that you had always done before you came here? Um. So the singing, I've always liked singing, just like everybody usually says, but... Uh, my sister was in two different performing arts schools in middle school and high school. And I never was able to like make cuts, you know, for auditions and stuff. And she kind of overshadowed me in that aspect of she was in, you know, um, show choir and acting and, you know, was taking voice lessons and she's trained. I've never been trained my entire life. I always really liked, I went from really liking like sketching and like drawing and I love dance um, and I've always loved singing and I would sit in my room and try to record myself and be quiet so no one can hear me. But, you know, I never had that encouragement, I think, from my parents because I was so shy to express it because my sister overshadowed me in that category. So therefore, like, I've always kept it to myself. And I think once I graduated high school and I was like really getting like into like classic rock music and collecting records and just getting into listening to like Led Zeppelin and Fleetwood Mac and Journey and the Eagles. I just more and more was just like, 
I love writing poetry. I've been writing since I was 13. But it was one of those things. Again, like, I just never shared it with anybody. So I finally was like, I just want to pick up, like, a guitar and just see what I can do. And finally got my first guitar when I was 18 and started writing and started just singing a little bit or just even trying to cover something. And I was like, I want to do music. Like, I want to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it someday. And that's kind of how that happened. And my dad, the more I talked to him about it as I've gotten older, because he was a drummer and a guitar player. He never did anything with it. And so as soon as I started expressing like openly to him, like, I really want to do music. I really just, I, I just, every day I find more and more passion with this. He's like, oh, hell yeah. Like I'm going to live vicariously through you and we're going to make this happen. So, so he's been very supportive. Yes. As soon as I started voicing how much I really liked music, he's always been my biggest support over anybody else. Is your uh, sister older or younger than you? My sister is two years older than me, so she's 25, and I'm okay. 23. And it's just an older sister that you have? Yeah, it's, uh, ugh, excuse me. No, you're good. <laughs> it's an older sister and um, three older brothers. So Oh, I, shit, oh, so wow. you're the baby. Yeah, I'm the baby. Mm-hmm. So, like, my sister and I are the more artistic, uh, musically inclined, um, dancey type of people. Uh, my brothers were more obviously like into like sports and gaming and shit like that. So we got all of the musical stuff in art from our dad because he was all into that in high school with like drawing and poetry and, and singing and whatever. And my brothers just kind of got more of like the the monotone, I would say just like, you know, working. They Some of them went to school just kind of like gaming and just kind of, you know, doing guy shit. I don't know. My mom, you know, both of my parents grew up um, in like the 60s and like 70s and whatever. So like my mom never really cared that much about music. I mean, it was, she has her bands that she likes, but she was never as passionate about it as my dad was. So we get all of that from our dad. And my Mm -hmm. mom, like, I, I I don't even know what to say. I don't want my mom to hear this and be like, why are you talking shit about me? (laughs) (laughs) I've had a lot of people come on this podcast and reveal a lot about themselves. Yeah. That wasn't so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's, that's kind of funny that you have, um, three older brothers. It makes sense. Why does that make sense? (laughs) Because you have this, um, this tough exterior, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like you're not, you have balls. Yeah. They don't take shit. Yeah. Yeah. You don't take shit. I don't know. I, yeah. Yeah. I guess that kind of makes sense. Like, I think, I think just me, like in general, I think I've always been since I was a little kid, I've, I've just have always tried to not give a fuck. And even in school, I got bullied like hard fucking core, like all throughout like elementary, middle and high school. And as much as, like, that did, like, affect, like, a big part of my personality, I still have always been, like, super outgoing and, like, just, like, I don't give a fuck what you think about me or what I wear or what I say or what I do. And, like, you know, I have, I've had my moments and times where I was, like, you know, like, I'll keep it a little bit more low-key and try to be more mindful about it. But I just can't. And maybe it, mm-hmm. having older brothers that are, like, I'll beat anybody's ass for you. Did they ever the beat week. you up? <laughs> uh... 
Eh, not really, a little bit, not really. But like they both will be able to like just beating the shit out of each other. But yeah, my sister no. and I though have beaten the fuck out of each other. Really? Oh yeah, we would beat the shit out of each other a lot. And like, I don't know if that's necessarily traumatized either of us. But like, I mean. You know, and me being the baby of the family, I'm able to go tell my mom that my sister just beat the shit out of me, even if she really didn't. And then my sister would get in trouble. Get in trouble every time. (laughs) I was one of those kids. Baby shit. Yeah, the baby shit. I mean, hey, I it was always the same thing for both my parents. Don't bully your sister. Ari's Ari's the baby. Don't bully her. So I was able to get away with a lot of stuff like that. So going back to when you were growing up in school, you said you were bullied. Yes, hardcore. Like, what what happened? I think, so, I think just me being overly silly and just almost obnoxious at times and just with my personality just being, like, so out there and so outgoing, I think, like, kids are just cruel. And they'll find anything to pick on you for, whether it's the way you laugh or the way that you say something or... Or any little thing that you do. I think in general, like, kids are just cruel. And I was one of those kids that, unfortunately, was not overly popular. Yeah. And I, I, you know, and I even still feel like that, that I get picked on more than anybody else. And I don't, I really don't give a shit. But, like, as a kid, like, it low-key bothered me. But, like, I still was myself and and tried to be as authentic as possible. And, you know, a lot of that stemmed into me not having as many friends or people not inviting me to shit or just being excluded and being made fun of. And, like, I used to have, like, kind of fucked up teeth, too, so that was something people always like to point out. And then I got hot when I got braces mm-hmm. and, you know, once did I... Be, did it change when you got hot? Oh, yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. in high school, like, I really, like, I got my braces off, like, freshman year. And, like, I got hit on from time to time. Like, I, it wasn't, like, I never had, like a, like, a real boyfriend in high school or anything like that. I was always interested in guys that, like, were not interested in me. And guys I found were just always fucking mean to me because they just thought I was so weird. And they, especially going to school in Texas and being from Ohio, like, people down there thought I was so strange because I was just, like, so northern. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, like, one time in class I was just talking to this kid who, like, you know, knew, like, my mom's fiancé and, like, was really good friends with his family. And, like, you know, so this kid, like, I knew. And he he was kind of a dick, but he was just, like, whatever. And we sat next to each other in tech class, and I'll just never forget, like, him telling me to go back to fucking Ohio. And I literally could have cried. Just for, like, no reason. Like, when I was just being nice, just telling me that. And and it's so funny that all those people now and that dude now, it's, like, hits me up. Like, I get all these people from high school that are, like, you're so hot. I'm, like, yeah, remember when you fucking, like, (laughs) literally almost, like, spit in my face pretty much? Like, now you think I'm hot. And it's just just funny how that changes. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like uh, I'm still waiting. For people to uh, to inbox me on Facebook and apologize to me, but it's not coming. I don't think I've ever been, like, apologized to. I think I might have had, like, one or two people kind of be like, hey, like, you know, sorry about, like, whatever. And, I, and I've done that. I've also been the mean girl. Yeah, I think everybody has had, like, both experiences. At least for me, I did. And I've also been the mean girl. And no way. Oh, shut, <laughs> shut the fuck up, Danny. I, here's the thing. I'm really chill. You know. It takes a lot to piss me off. But when it does, I can like spew shit out like in two seconds. I'm, I can be really mean. And I've been able to really control that. 
um, as I've gotten older, because I used to just be like an asshole if like people pissed me off. But I've been the mean girl, and I've reached out to people and have apologized for my actions, and I feel like that's helped me to kind of grow as a person. But there's some people that just peaked in high school, and now they don't do shit, and they just that's all they focus on. Anytime I go back to Texas and visit my friends, it's like there's always drama happening because those people never leave their hometown, and they're, oh, they just yeah. care about mm-hmm. every little thing that happens there. Well, it's like when you're from a small town, whatever – Whatever you were when someone first met you there is what you will forever be. Right. And like I'm from a, a super small town, small high school. It was like 150 people in my graduating class. And from the sixth grade until senior year, you know, it's like you're surrounded by all of these people. And of course, there's new kids that come and go. But like I was a, a, a foreigner even in Maine uh, my senior year, like – Maine is very weird because the people there, it's like you're from there or you're not. Yeah. Like you were born here or you weren't. Um, and you're from, like in Maine, even the adults are like this. They say you're from away. You know what I mean? Right. They you're say from you're what? from away. Oh. Oh, yeah. from away. From got, away. Not yeah. from around here. Yeah, gotcha. not, exactly. <laughs> Never. Yeah, been which is just like the northern way of saying. Right, you're not from around here. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Um, and I always really felt like an outsider myself growing up. So much of it is how I, uh, how I felt about myself, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, I have a lot of self-hatred even today. And I think that's what drives me to, to do things and to be productive and to get things done. But I was even thinking, you know, like this year has been a particularly tough year for me. And I always try and write out my thoughts or journal just kind of what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. And I've started to realize that, like, who is it the the person that I want to be? Who is it the person that I am? So I was kind of reverse engineering it. The person that I am, I started listing off, okay, I do podcasts, I'm a musician, yada, yada, yada. But then I realized that's not who I am. Those are things that I do. Right. And I got so much value from the things that I do, which are great because you know, doing music, like you get a lot, you can express yourself that way. It's a means of self-expression. I really felt like I was never able to express myself. My whole life growing up in school, I always just got told to shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Right. Like you talk way too much. Like, I was always in trouble. I was a bad student. I wasn't, like, doing drugs or doing bad kid shit even, but I was I was just told I was too talkative and I asked too many questions. Like, my curiosity was always a problem. It wasn't with my dad. Like, my dad always encouraged that in me. Um, but I feel like just growing up, I had all these experiences of just really not liking myself. Um, and I didn't really have any self love. And I feel like as an adult, slowly I've, I've had to learn what do I actually like about myself, you know, cause it was, so it feels, it felt formerly wrong to even admit that it was okay to like myself. I felt like it was egotistical and narcissistic, which in a way, even thinking that is egotistical and narcissistic in itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
It's like a, a form of covert self narcissism. Um, and I wouldn't even say that myself, I am narcissistic or anything like that, but I have a podcast. I talk about all my fucking thoughts on a microphone and you're a musician and I'm a musician. Exactly. So it's like through time, I feel like for myself, I've had to like slowly learn how to love myself. I still don't know. But even doing things like going for a walk or doing yoga or things or getting a full night's sleep, that's a big one for me right now. I always try and get eight hours. I don't always achieve it, but I always feel great. My mental health feels better when I sleep at night. Right. I think like the loving yourself aspect of like regardless of like what you do is so important. And like, you know, me leaving this band that I was just playing with was like my way of like, like loving myself again. And which, granted, as I've gotten older, I've been able to kind of really develop, like, self-care and, like, really taking care of myself and, like, prioritizing, like, what really, like, matters to me. And, but even just whether it's getting sleep at night, whether it's, like, not drinking for, like, the first time in, like, a week. Because or shotgunning Red Bulls. Oh, shut up. Listen, that is self-care. No, no, I'm just playing. That no, is no, self-care, no, okay? I just know someone called you out on it. So, so I, had I had, like, five people call me out on that. They're like, dude, they're like, like what oh, the fuck are healthy. you doing? You shotgun Red Bulls. I'm like, okay, and what about it? I love Red Bull, so <laughs> sponsor me, please. Thank you. But I think, I think really just focusing more on like what you need to be doing for you is obviously really important but like going back into like loving yourself I think anything that you feel like you need to do for you is what you need to be doing like regardless of what anybody thinks and like you know my parents have always been very conservative and which has caused me to have like self-confidence issues like whether I've shown it or not I I can be like really self-conscious and how they, so? I think more so, like, you know, you said that you were, you know, always told that you talk too much or whatever. And, like, yeah, I've always been, like, in, in my own way, like, super chatty or whatever. But my parents have always just, they've never, like, encouraged it. They've always been, like, oh, just, like, do what you're told. Like, go to school. Like, don't, don't, don't make waves. Yeah, don't just, speak up. Just don't, kinda... just, just, just be, like, really chill and, and, and do what everybody else is doing. I feel like that's always been how, like, I've been raised. and But, like, obviously inside of me, I'm like, that's not right. Like, I don't feel called to do that. And my mom, for the longest time, like, I feel like was never supportive of, like, me, like, wanting to be a writer and, like, wanting to, you know, do music. She just wanted me to go to school and get a degree for whatever the fuck. And just... To do the thing. To just do the, the what, you know, what would you even call it? The American dream or whatever the fuck. Yeah. That's even a real thing, which I don't think so. You know, just to go and get married, have kids, and die. Work and die. And I've never felt that way. And as I've, you know, started to learn more about myself, I'm like, yeah, that's not me. And I'm sorry, Mom and Dad. You don't like it when I cuss. Fuck it. <laughs> you know, you don't like it when I cuss. You don't like it when I'm wearing pro- you know, provocative shit or getting tattoos. And my dad and my mom have gotten used to it and they don't really care but like in the beginning years of like me developing myself your personality my personality like outside of high school where I actually was like okay like I'm not going to school I love music I just want to do whatever the fuck I want to do like they didn't really like it that much and 
you know, would make comments about it be like, why are you wearing that? Like, don't wear shit like that. Like, that's too revealing and that's, you're, you're bringing too much attention to yourself. Like, shit like that. And, you know, I just started more and more just being like, well, if you're telling me to not do something, I'm going to do it because I feel like I need to do it. And I feel like it's, it's my way of loving myself. And it's always been really hard, I feel like, to love me as, as me because there's always somebody in your ear being like, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't, you shouldn't wear this or say that, or you need to stop, you know, drinking or doing this. It's just like, fuck it. I don't care. Like I, I, this is my way of loving myself. And I have learned my lessons from many things that I've experienced, whether it's with drinking or drugs or, Mm -hmm. you know, relationships and friendships and music and performing and, and just even being just living day to day life. Like, more and more so, I have learned what makes Ari feel good and feel like I am taking care of myself. And I feel like I'm on the right track right now. I don't feel like everything's perfect, and I don't ever think it's going to be perfect. No. But, but, you know, I'm going to be loud and proud, and I'm going to wear what I want and be crazy and be over the top. And if you don't like it, then there's the door. I'm not asking you to leave or stay, you know? I want to go back to something that you said a minute ago. Yeah. You said you don't know or you don't think that the American dream exists. No. Oh, absolutely not. What? Why don't you think it exists? And how do you define the American dream? Well, you know, it's that's going to be different for everybody. But for me, I feel like the American dream is just like, you know, you grow up, you're, you're what you would call like a good noodle, you know, you... You do your due due diligence for your fucking country, and you vote, and you do all these things. You go to school, get a degree in whatever the fuck you want to get a degree in, get a beautiful nine-to-five job, meet somebody, settle down, have kids, and work until you die. Like, that to me is what, what, like, the American dream is. And, And, like, the perfect, like little little life that I think people try to paint is what how you know you should how you should go about life and what your your goals and what your focus should be on and I feel like that is just so dated so dated and it's just not I don't think that's that should ever be like what the dream is you should never just want to just have kids and just have a family and and that's okay if you want those things but you should never just like settle on like what every single other person is doing. Do it to go with the crowd is what you're saying. And it's doing it because that is what's considered quote unquote normal. But obviously in this fucking country, in this world, nothing is fucking normal. Nothing is normal. No. Do you think you'll ever go back to having a regular job like a, like a clock in, clock out? I sure hope fucking not. I really sure hope not. I mean, I don't want to be on Broadway this time next year. Like I want to just keep moving forward and, I know what does that look like? Um, I don't know. That's the thing is the future is really unpredictable and we can create scenarios in our heads and sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't. Are you going to try and get back to Kid Rocks or um, or do you care where you play? I, I just want to get off of Broadway and be able to focus more on original music and getting an original band together, which is tough in Nashville, believe it or not, you know. Oh, yeah. It's, Trust it's me. tough. It's I know tough. All Some about people it. think, you know, people that don't live here think it's just like you just come down here and, and put a band together. It's like you can meet somebody that's interested in your project, but they're working with like five other fucking bands. Yeah. Right. And so you don't have the full commitment 
to, to having people in your group that want to learn the songs that want to travel and, and, and go on tours and open up and, and keep writing and recording. You don't have that down here because everybody, you know, is either already a part of something. They're a part of too many things or they just don't give that much of a fuck. Mm-hmm. And they just want to make money and go home and fuck off at the end of the night. And for me, like, I want to tour. I want to, you know, make awesome records and, and have a really solid band that is, like, all passionate about the same thing and has the same kind of, like, like-minded ideas aligned. And that's really hard. And I get asked all the time, like, why don't you have an original band? Why don't you have an original band? It's, like, it's hard. And not everybody wants to do fucking classic rock music. Some yeah. people want to do pop. Some people want to do R&B, hip-hop, rap, or they want to do alternative metal. Like, you know, not everybody likes the classic rock thing like I do. So it's, like, it's not easy finding people that, like, want to play and want to actually, like, commit to something that's, like, you know, doesn't seem that, like... It doesn't seem like it's going to be anything to them. You're just another fish in the pond then. Yeah. Which in a lot of ways I think is a good thing. But like being someone like speaking for myself that's played in several original bands in Nashville, um, you know, so much of it, you can get good players. But so like I would rather play with someone who is like a decent player and very easy to work with. Mm-hmm. over someone who was good in a dick. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And there's a lot of that. Like, everybody knows who those players are in town. You can, sm- right. you can smell them. <laughs> you can tell when one of those players walks in a room, even if yeah. you don't know them. For sure. It's it's the way that people... And there's something to be said for not judging a book by its cover. Right. To a certain degree. Yeah. With musicians, you kind of should judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Because they're yeah. advertising who they are by even the the fucking pirate costumes that they wear like it feels like it feels like <laughs> halloween sometimes costumes, yeah. you know yeah. what i mean yeah like that's how i feel because i've never been a dude who like has long hair and has tattoos uh, that's dresses just not like me. a pirate yeah dresses <laughs> yeah. like a pirate like i've had my we hair <laughs> short since i was like a senior in high school i'm clean cut you know i it it's just not me i would feel like i was faking it Right. If I if I did it like that. And, like, I stick out, I think, in some ways, like a sore thumb in Nashville. Because it's, like, either dudes in Nashville, their look is either long hair or shaved head. It's it's one of those That's two. That's so yeah. true. That is true. It's true. Yeah, it's either frat or pirate. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like pirate Steven Tyler. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those are <laughs> the two different. There's a lot of that down here. And, like, that's, you know, I dig that, you know, in any sort of way because of, the shit that I'm into, like music and whatnot, and a lot of the guys that I um, idolize, you know, like Mick Jagger and shit like that. But, sure, it's a style. But yeah. but yeah, you get these guys that just think they're hot shit and that they're oh well, I'm just gonna do whatever the fuck I want. I don't really care. And they're such good players, but they're just douchebags. But then you get these people that are like subpar that are like all in. Yeah. But then it's like the talent, you know, you're you're wondering like is it really there or is it actually going to work out? And I try to give people the benefit of the doubt all the time because I've seen people go from literally not knowing like how how to play like any like basic Broadway songs to like becoming like a player. Fan- fantastic. Yeah. Players. Yeah. And just in just their own style like just developing 
as players. I've yeah. seen that in so many different guitarists and bassists and whatever, and it's, like, incredible to me. Yeah. And that's what I like to see. I like to see people that are willing to be moldable and, like, wanting to actually, like, improve. These yeah. guys, like, learn fucking one goddamn, like, Metallica song, and they think that they could just fucking rule the <laughs> world. And that's like, dude... Enter Sandman was a good song at one point, okay? Mm. It's still a D song, but, like, come on now. You're not a fucking god for for knowing, like, that one fucking big metal or hard rock song, and you think you're just at the end of the road done. Yeah. And that's what a lot of these guys think is that they're, they just don't have to get any better. They get stranded down on Broadway, too. Oh, yeah. You see these guys that are, like, old, like way older, mm-hmm. talented. No. But that's their mindset is that they just think that it's like, oh, well— I'm I'm really good. I don't have to do anything else. And then they don't understand why they've never left Broadway. And it's like, well, because you don't want to be better and do better. You're comfortable where you're at. And that's something that I I don't want to get, which is why I don't want to be on Broadway this time next year. I don't want to be comfortable with it. Because I see these girls that are singing down there that are fantastic. They've been doing it for three, four, five years. And they, you know, get these awesome crowds, like Kid Rocks and like, Tin roof and whatever, and it's like, okay, but like, what's the next step after this? It's right. it's one thing to make really good money, and that's what will suck you in is the money on Broadway. It yeah. will suck you it's in. The, I think it's the money, it's the uh, the free drinks, yeah. people buying you drinks, being able to to get laid super easy. That is so true. You know what I mean? It's like oh a musician. God. It's like a like you're stuck in never never land in a lot of ways because it's like all your off to never never land exactly yeah i guess we're, <laughs> we're tying it back full circle but you know what i mean though it's it's and i don't even fault someone for getting caught in that because i feel like it would be very easy to yeah no people i've seen just have gotten stuck down there are just comfortable with all of those things and then that's like their end point you know if that's your end point that's fucking cool But, you know, what sucks is, like, some of us who are just trying to get this money and put it away and, like, move on at some point and, like, you know, are actually working on, like, recording and, like, getting the fuck out of, you know, just national touring the country. There's these people at these bars that have been there for X amount of years, whatever, that, like, gatekeep, like, being at that bar, you know? You want to be the the king? The players or, like, the bookers? Like, no, the players, the players, I've seen it. They just like think that that you know you want to be the king or queen of Broadway. I mean, be my guest. Yeah. But then it's like these new people that are just coming in to like you know make the money and and get the fuck off of Broadway. It's like they're they really fat. shitty too. And it's like it blows my mind because I'm like these are just cover gigs. Yeah. Like why do we care so much about Broadway? Well, then it goes back into some people are comfortable where they're at and that's their end goal. Right. You can be the fucking king or queen of Broadway. I am here to do my shit and get the fuck out of here. Right. So, and that's like a lot of the difference. Cause I see, I see it. I see people that are just comfortable. And then I see the people that stand out that are actually trying to do something with music and not just be a cover artist that gets drunk and fucks like some random Broadway chick. And can I also just say this real quick? I want people to stop grouping cover bands. Stop fucking grouping cover bands. Oh, groupying. Yes, oh. grouping cover bands. Who does that? Broad. It's not even just Broadway broad, thoughts. It's not even. Uh. It's not even Broadway thoughts. It's people that like live here, 
or like, or unless if, it's the spasmatics, or that's if acceptable. They, uh, <laughs> they're good. The, they're really good. But <laughs> that's I see the eighties one, right? Yeah, they yeah. play at uh, um, um, an scoreboard and scoreboard, and, and they wear costumes and shit yeah. too, right? Yeah, they so wear like good. these like nerdy like fucking like helmets. They're and like shit. one of the best like cover. Like they're a cover band with like kind of a gimmick, but they're so good. Yeah, that's the thing is is like. The cover band thing, there's nothing wrong with it. That's sure. honestly like how you start out. A lot of these musicians, a lot of legends started out doing covers and that's how they made money and that's how they eventually got into playing in their own band and doing their own music. But like, I think these people that get these fans for like their their covers and what they do, which granted I have fans seeing me do cover gigs, but then I get asked about original music just like a lot of people do. But I see these girls that go absolutely feral feral for these dudes singing fucking guns and roses and shit and it's like i get it it's a hot guy singing or hot guys performing or whatever i just i just i'm sorry i don't get like just feeling like i'm gonna wait after a show and go home with one of those dudes well, because you're one of those. Not you're dudes. one of those dudes. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're one of those dudes. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and like, I've had my go around with like, you know, musicians in Nashville, you know, but at the same time, I just see these girls that like, you know, it's one thing to have fans that come back and like are there, like tipping the band, like actually like supporting you, like in what you're doing and like, you know, trying to come to your original shows too. I've, I've had that. I've had, I've seen it happen to other people. Like, those are real fans, but you get these girls that come back. To get fucking laid and like are grouping these cover bands. Hmm. And it's like so ridiculous to me. It is so stupid. And yeah, I'm I'm one of the guys. I'm one of the I'm one of the dudes up there. I'm I'm a musician, so like my perspective is different. But even then it's just like I I just as a even a girl, anytime a guy has tried to like take me home from like a gig or I'm like, fuck off, dude. Like yeah, it's not flattering. Like, like, you sound like Stevie Nicks or like Janice Joplin. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, wow, but am I Stevie Nicks or Janice Joplin? No, I'm Ari. And I'm not interested in in doing that. That does not fulfill mm. personally does not fulfill my my rock star fuel. That does not that doesn't, you know, accomplish anything for me. I don't feel like sleeping with Somebody after a show is like, it's like a rock star thing to do. Like I just, especially if you're in a cover band. Now, if you're in like a real rock and roll band, like you're touring or like, you know, Greta Van Fleet or something like that's, I get that. Sure. You have like an actual band that's like big. That's, that has. Maybe like not Greta Van Fleet, but I get what you're saying. Okay. Don't even get me started. Cause I do, I do like them and I've always really liked them. So that's, that is an argument we can save Cause I do like. We can have it right now. Oh my god! <laughs> I think okay. Here's here's what I'll say first. I'll say I'll speak first. Greta Van Fleet is good. Yeah, they can play well. Their singer's great. Their playing is great. It just feels very derivative. They don't, I feel like they don't have their own voice as an artist. They're mimicking Led Zeppelin, Aerosmith, all of the greats, which I love all of the greats. But here's my deal, also with Nashville bands in general. It's kind of like what you were saying with the Broadway thing. They think they're playing some kind of rock star role. Right. And that's my beef with it. There is validity to what they're doing. Subjectively, my taste, it doesn't go towards that. Like, if I were going out to see, I would be open to seeing them live. I'm sure they're a fantastic live band. I've seen they are them good twice. Live. They're awesome. I've seen them live twice, too. They're, they're, they're really, good. They're they're really I'm, good. I'm sure they're good. Yeah, they are good They live. can play well. They're great players. They're great musicians. 
their songwriting is good, but it just all feels very derivative for me. I think in the beginning, so back in 20, I want to say 2018, um, I like found their EP that they had out at that time, the Black Smoke Rising thing, and mm-hmm. that's all they had. And they were they had fans and stuff, but it wasn't like overly huge. Like they were still playing like pretty small shows. Yeah. Um, and I at that point was not a Led Zeppelin fan, so I would see all these articles being like, "Oh, they're trying to copy Led Zeppelin." I'm like, I at that point did not even like Led Zeppelin. I just never cared for the sound, and that's how it's been for a lot of bands for me. Is it's taken me time to like really get into something and like really appreciate it. Like yeah. now I have like a Led Zeppelin tattoo. Hmm. Obviously, it it took me a minute though, and so. I've never really understood that comparison until I became, like, a Led Zeppelin fan. And I, of course, have seen, like, okay, yeah, their first, like, EP and their first album, the, like, anthem or march of, like, the peaceful army, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Very, like, much, like, Led Zeppelin-y. And, of course, like, it pisses people off that they've, you know, people have tried to, like, ask them about it. They're like, oh, like, you know, pretty much try to, like, brush like it off. all the artists that Led Zeppelin's influenced by. Yeah, yeah that was so pretty much, answer. they've always tried to get around it. Yeah. So, like, in in the beginning, like, couple of years for those guys, and it was, like, yeah, you know, as soon as we, right. I, like, really got into Led Zeppelin, I was like, okay, yeah, like, I totally see, like, why people are pissed about this. But this this last album they put out, um, Gardens Gate or whatever. Oh my God! I will say that they have really like developed their own sound. Their songs are like way like in a completely like it's rock and roll, but it's like it's more soulful, more just like ah uh, oh, it's like it's so. Do they hard, have like, more of their own voice now? Yeah, oh yeah, I mean it's it's hard to describe like what the what the real like sound they have now is, but it's like. It's like their own music. Like they really are Greta Van Fleet, and they're not just Led Zeppelin's, you know, rip off. Like they've really, I've come a long way. And you know that peaceful, you know, army album thing. Yeah. I, my sister and I, you know, we're big fans of them. I've seen them twice, both front row. Amazing performers. Amazing, just awesome guys. Um, really love their stuff and their album they put out was just kind of like repetitive sounded really like Led Zeppelin 2 like just kind of you know I don't know just very overdone Mm -hmm. and it was like okay this is the same shit over and over again like boring but this other album they just put out man they've been selling out different pavilions like all around the country and the world like they're they're selling out shows they're going they're opening for like Metallica and shit like that like they're they've been killing it and that I'm telling you if you listen to that new record, dude, you will not be disappointed. I'll, you won't, I'll you check won't, it out. I'll have I'm, to check it out. I I'm open to being it. wrong. Here's what, here's what I'll say. A lot of things that I used to hate or look down upon, I love now. Yeah. So Arctic Monkeys is a perfect example of that for me. They're, but their first couple of records I didn't really care for, like their first two, because they were blowing up when I was in high school with their, their first album, like their very first album in right. 2006. And I heard it. I thought, oh, this is interesting. Second album, I heard it. Okay, I thought, uh, this is interesting. Their third album is what I really loved for them. I didn't love it when I got it at the time. Their third album, Humbug, was produced by Josh from Queens of the Stone Age, partially. And they had their other producer produce other songs. But it was something that really 
change my opinion of them because it sounded like they took mushrooms and went out to the desert. That's what that record is. Yeah. Right. And I really respected that. Um, but it wasn't until much later when I was kind of able to put them more into context of hearing them develop more and hearing their discography. And I still am not like a gigantic fan of their first two records. I like songs off of each of those, but I'm not going to go and sit down and listen to it the way that I would listen to Humbug or Suck It and See or their last album, which was Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, which is my favorite album of theirs. Because it's like the least poppy. Right. But that's not why it's my favorite. It's because you hear an artist experimenting and really figuring out what they can do. Because um, a lot of this... Have you listened to that record? Not in its entirety, no. Have you listened to that record, Ari? I, I don't think so. So it's it's weird. It's, it's like... Um, it's like watching an action movie. Like their first couple were like action movies. Their third through, uh, their third, fourth, and fifth album. Well, the third and fourth album, it's it's like Quentin Tarantino almost. Um, and then this last record was really it's like a David Lynch movie. David Lynch, do you know who David Lynch is? Yeah. He did like True uh, Blue Velvet, yeah. Twin Peaks, yeah, all yeah, that yeah. shit. It's just weird as fuck. But you can hear an artist, he has something to say about the world. He's talking shit about the world, but he's also talking shit about himself. And, like, I can drive completely around town and just listen to that whole album and just to drive around just to listen to it. Nice. You know, ride with it. Oh, yeah. And feel something. Yeah, it's good. Some albums are just meant, I mean, you know, the right way to listen to an album is front to back, but I feel like there's so many albums that I don't get a chance to do that to yeah I need to like make some time to do that more for sure yeah no I I get that I think I think you know there's you know what I see around Nashville a lot is like somebody trying to be somebody else which you can hear it in their voice or in their their own music and there's there's a lot of that and I think it's hard to not imitate like our favorite people but I've always thought it thought of it more as just like Emulating and like bringing different aspects of of things that I liked about other people and making it my own. Well, that's how you find your voice as an artist, right? Is by you're pseudo copying all these different people to develop your own sound. Because even now, like as a songwriter and as a producer, like I've I've been recording demos this past couple of weeks, and now when I make something, it just sounds like me. Yeah, you know, like. I feel like I have a voice as a bass player for sure because I've been doing that for so fucking long. And now as a songwriter, it's just like inescapable. There's things that I make now where I don't know if it's necessarily bad or good. And bad or good is irrelevant in a lot of ways. But I know it's distinctly me. Right. Like it is me. Um, And I think that's what you really want to achieve in – self-expression not even as an artist if you're trying to express yourself and express some way you feel about the world you know and about your surroundings and all the things that people do because they love they want to play music it all starts with um with that it's a very spiritual thing i think music is this the sound of the divine it's the thing we can't explain and that we can't 
uh, describe, you know? It's like you hear a sad song and it understands you in a way that a conversation with someone can. And there's something to be said for conversation. Right. But listening to, I don't know, like uh, Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley, for instance. Oh, my God. Which is a cover song, by the way. Yeah. Um, but he made that cover his own. But, like, that song, what is that song really about? I can't really tell you what it's about, but I know the way it makes me feel. Right. It's like Linda Ronstadt was, like, the biggest cover artist, like, there ever was. And she, like, thing is, I didn't even know, like, half the songs that she sang were at least, they weren't even, like, half. It was, like, most of the songs that she sang. And she had, like, a, she had a writer, uh, I think it's, like, Carla Bonoff. Um, wrote a lot of like songs for her, and then she. It was kind of like a Carol King like situation where she like did more her own El- albums. Or Elton John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, Linda Ronstadt was one of those people though that like no matter what, regardless of the song that she sang, she did a lot of traditional like Hispanic music because she's you know Hispanic and would do like the rock thing and, and the blues and, and the country thing. Like she did everything and made it her own. And I think like you know. That is, like, an example right there of, like, having your own voice. And, like, yeah, you might be covering a song, but it's, like, you're completely taking it and just making it something brand new. Yeah. And nobody would even know, like, that that, that you didn't, like, actually write that song or it's not yours. Well, she she covered a lot of songs, too, that weren't necessarily hit by other artists. Right, right. And that was kind of the genius of a lot of the songs or his songs. Because then they became hits. Exactly. (laughs) That's kind of what Zeppelin did, too. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Dazed and Confused was, I believe, an old Yardbirds song. Oh, yeah. And uh, it wasn't, like, a uh, very—I think it was, like, an old member of, like, an old Yardbirds member— and then Jimmy Page like stole the riff and started playing <laughs> it on tour, and then it became a Zeppelin. Well, song. Jimmy Page was also in well, the yeah, Yardbirds yeah, for yeah, a minute. Kinda, it would be yeah. like if you know you took a riff from the Weird Sisters and was like, "This and, is this is my song." Yeah, and like maybe they're not playing it right now, but you started your own band and you know yeah. took one of their riffs. It'd be kind of the same thing. It's still well, kind of fucked. Okay, know? so here's what I'll say if we're on the topic of Led Zeppelin. So I talked all of that shit about. Greta Van Fleet being derivative, but you could also say Led Zeppelin is 100% derivative. Oh, oh Led Zeppelin 100%. like 100% ripped off like so many blues artists. Yeah, they did. They share like most of their catalog. Is they share credits. Ripping off. Yeah. Them. Yeah. But the thing is, is they didn't give a fuck. By the, time, <laughs> yeah. by the time people caught up to them, they were like, we're so rich. Fuck it. Well, Jimmy yeah. Page, he even said, um, uh, good artists borrow, great artists steal. Yeah. Hopefully they write that on his tombstone. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. Ari, final question. Are you the baddest bitch in Nashville? Yes. <laughs> no hesitation. Wait, yes. can I ask a question before we go? What? If you, if you don't mind answering it, just since we are here and you have a chance to talk about it, your recent post about the industry and what it's like uh, being a female in the Nashville industry and all that stuff would you unpack that a little bit or, or oh, give a little bit of insight to your experience and all that? Yeah. And I knew this was going to happen. Um, so I made that post, uh, because after leaving the previous band that I was playing with, I have been absolutely fed the fuck up with the way that women are treated in the music industry and everybody has their own opinions about it, especially men. 
But when you're a girl and you're constantly being looked at as like a piece of meat or as a tip bucket runner and as a way to make money rather than talent, rather than like, like work ethic, it sucks. And it's, you know, I've had so many different people reach out to me about that post, like girls and guys. Yeah. Both agreeing with like, wow, like, yeah, like this has been happening to me. Like, I'm so glad somebody like finally said something about it. And I know I'm not the first person to, but it's, it's been tough. Even just like doing Broadway, guys are fucking awful to women. It's like, they don't want you to overshadow them. And they, they get so intimidated when like you can do everything that they do and more. Now I'm not I'm not gonna ask you to like call like obviously <laughs> not like, call anyone out names or anything, <laughs> but when you're what you're talking about, are you talking more specifically about musicians, bar owners, patrons, all of them kind of group? Like, all of it. Like, okay. All of it. Yeah, I okay. think I think guys come into bars, they see a cute girl singing on stage and they can be handsy and they can be gross and say very nasty things to that person. Like while they're just trying to like get tips or, you you know, you have that and, and, you know, I love it when people give me uh, tips and pointers when they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Unsolicited. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking hate that. You get that, especially towards girls, you get bar owners that, you know, maybe if you're like a girl fronted band, like you're not going to get the shifts that like other people do because you don't have a guy that's fronting it, you know? And I've seen that. I've seen, um, I've seen guys just feel so like, they're just so much more like superior to women. And that's like in any industry, film, entertainment, music, business, whatever the fuck it is, any, any industry. I mean, hell girls for the longest time, my mom was telling me this the other day when she was working in high school and in the 70s and 80s, how pay was not equal. And you did the same amount of fucking work as a guy did. They didn't pay you equally. And it was just how it was. And there's still the misogyny of like women don't and shouldn't get what guys get. Now, granted, I'm thinking we're living in an era where like we are we're standing the fuck up for ourselves no matter what, regardless of the bullshit that's happening with like abortion rights and whatever. It's, it's still though a fucking issue and guys like to be like, well, like, you know, we're just guys. So guys are just going to be guys. I was literally told that the other day, guys are pretty much just going to be guys. And you know, that's just how it is. And to me, it's just, just bullshit. And so I finally have been fed the fuck up with the way that I've been treated, not by one specific person or group. It's been multiple people I've worked with that have had everything under the sun to say to me because I'm a girl and I apparently don't know as much as they do. What would you say, keeping it specific to Nashville, do you have any insight as to what might help this problem in Nashville or are you just like fed up with it and want to be done? What, how, what, what are your thoughts on it? How how can we fix it? Yeah. How, I mean, I mean, you're in the industry, you interact with these people all the time. Or what would you do to fix it? I I think just advocating for it. I think just keep speaking about it and, and not taking shit that, is alluding to sexism and misogyny. I think the more that we, you know, we as women, you know, whatever your profession is, stop taking shit from dudes and like literally stand the fuck up for yourself. And like, you know, you know, you're doing, you know, move forward, do your thing. But like, 
it's, it's hard to say because I feel like it's always going to be around no matter what. I feel like it's with a lot of different things. People are always going to be biased against a certain group or sure. whatever. But I think just speaking out about it and just making it more and more of a thing that people need to be conscious about and, and calling it out when it happens instead of just turning the other cheek, whether it's happening to you or somebody you see or somebody you're working with. You know, I had some people reach out to me and kind of give their like, apologies about what's been going on. And it's like, well, you fucking saw what happened and you chose to not say anything. And, but you're sorry, right? You're sorry behind the scenes, but what doesn't change the problem is that you're sorry behind the scenes and you're not sitting there being like, Hey, don't fucking talk to her like that. Or, Hey, like that's not right. Right. Yeah. Like don't apologize afterwards. Say something in the moment, you know, and it, it sucks. It really does suck. In my experience of being pretty much told that I am not deserving of respect and that I have to just keep trying to earn it no matter what I do and being told that I shouldn't be treated as an equal and all that has happened. It, It sucks, but it's another thing that makes me just want to keep breaking the stigma and the stereotypes and just not giving a fuck and doing what I want to do. I don't care if you're a guy, girl, whoever the fuck you are. If I piss you off with what I do and I speak out on it, oh well. It's the truth, though. Misogyny and sexism in the music industry is real. I've seen it firsthand because, of course, the, the last two bands that I gigged heavily with were bands with both guys and girls in them. Yeah. Um, of course, with uh, Violet Moons... And then the Weird Sisters, you know, Gabby plays keys and just kind of, I think there's a a lot of dudes and I'm not saying this is necessarily right, but I think they're numb to it if they're not around it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I really saw a lot, like a lot of it firsthand, it didn't register when it first started happening, just like doing sound checks and sound guys, for instance, not taking like a woman seriously when she's like, here, can you do this? Cause my voice sounds good this way. Or it feeds back if you do this for me. Um, cause I have these pedals or whatever. Um, and just kind of seeing that it didn't sink in cause I'm used to like, whatever, it's a dick sound guy. You know what I mean? Just, right. but, um, there's a certain, definitely what I notice is like a certain tone and like a certain look in the eye. You know, the demeanor in which it's told. Because as a dude, if I say something about something for me on stage, I'm just told, like, fuck off, like, whatever, you know. But it's like with a woman, I definitely have seen them almost, like, give you, like, a head pat. You know what I mean? Be like, Like, oh. Like, coddle them. Yeah. 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 Like, they're stupid and they don't know what they're talking about. And it's like, I don't want to speak for anyone directly of anyone that I've played with. But I'm, I'm just trying to speak broadly in those those terms, you know what I mean? Right. And it's like it, it didn't necessarily uh, resonate with me. Not, not that I didn't think it didn't happen. I just never saw it firsthand. Right. Um, and once I kind of started seeing it, I was like, well, yeah, that is that is happening. But like from from my perspective as a dude. It's shitty, but I'm so used to most of these people just being shitty anyways. It's another fucking thing. Right. It's like you look at the shit with Harvey Weinstein, for instance. Like Harvey Weinstein, he got away with what he was doing for decades. Yeah. Decades because of the (laughs) amount of power that he had. Yeah, that's true. And he was just allowed to do that. But also 
he, he was raping. He was doing all sorts of fuck shit. But there was also women that were willing to fuck him to get ahead. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And that, that is something like that is those guys are able to do that because the behavior is allowed by both men and women. You know, it, it, like I feel like it's not just men that allow that behavior. It's also women who allow that behavior. Right. It's right, the women who are right. willing to sleep with him to get further ahead. Or also to not speak up in the moment. So I yeah. just don't want to entirely say it right. is because of, because of that. But like the Harvey Weinstein, when that whole thing unraveled, like everybody knew, like it was a constant joke. Like right. everybody knew Harvey was a fucking weirdo rapist. You know what I mean? Right. But it wasn't until like enough people came out and were like, yeah, he, uh, he fucking raped me. Yeah. But it's like how many of those women that were on stage at the Oscars thinking, Harvey Weinstein. Right. Before that, they didn't right. go up and take suck, back their were, shit. We're right. willing to suck his dick to, yeah. to get a role in a big movie. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think it obviously on a different level, but I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the jewelry store and like musicians playing those types of gigs. Um, not only are the people who are, you know, creating those situations bad, but the people who are going along with it and right. letting it happen on repeat right. yes. are just as much a part of the problem as the people creating the problematic yes. situation. And I'm, right. and I'm not saying I'm not standards, if you will. Yeah. You know? And I'm not saying those people are bad people for, for doing that. It's an ugly game and it's an act of desperation to get ahead. And most dudes would also do the same thing if they had the fucking opportunity to. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, I think we do a disservice uh, to women in American culture by um, treating them like special, special, beautiful flowers and not complex human beings. You know, I feel like in media, a lot of the time, men are portray- like certain men are portrayed as mysterious, complex like the rock star thing. Right. You know what I mean? It's like you could talk about David Bowie or Mick Jagger. A lot of those those guys, maybe not them in particular, were fucking scumbags though. Like oh, Jimmy yeah. Page had a 14-year-old girlfriend. Jerry oh, Lee Lewis. Steven Jer- Tyler had a 13-year-old girlfriend. Yeah. Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> can you yeah. imagine? Mm-hmm. Imagine knowing someone today, one of the dudes that we know, and they had a 13-year-old girlfriend. Oh, yeah. I would not fuck with them. Yeah, Even if they had a 19-year-old girlfriend, and they were my age, I'm 30, I would be like, That's Bro. weird. I'm sorry. Yeah. That is weird. No, agreed. Ari, where can people find you at? How can they find you? They can find me at Ari Music Nash on Instagram, AriMusicNashville.com. Uh, you can look me up on Spotify. It's just A-R-I with a period. Um, I'm about to put another single out soon. And When? Uh, I don't know yet. So okay. we're still working. We we're working. Uh, it's going to be called uh, 28. Oh, so cool. it's, it's a really cool song. Uh, I wrote about it, just about the bullshit about being a girl and having to take shit from people and not wanting to take shit anymore. So that's all I can really say about it. But I have some amazing people that I'm working with on it, and it's going to be a pretty sick song. So. Ari, I will say you 100% delivered in the way that I knew you would today. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Hey, when's the trifling brand going to be a thing? Um, as soon as I can. You, I, you know, I think I might. I don't know if somebody's already trademarked it, but I really want to trademark the word trifling. Trifling brand. I feel like I am 
I, you know, and I used to be trifling. I'm really not anymore, but no? I feel like I have pretty much trademarked that word. <laughs> I'm not. I am not. I have went through my trials and tribulations, but I will trademark that word one day, and I will make it like a part of my brand. Hell yeah. In some sort of way. I love it. Hell yeah. Oh, and by the way, Danny Shaw is here. I forgot to oh, introduce yeah, him. Yeah, He's cool. behind the boards as producer Everyone's today. Everyone's like, who the <laughs> fuck is that other voice? <laughs> Hell yeah. Of Eat Sleep Rock. Danny, where can people find you at? Uh, Eat Sleep Rock Nashville on Insta and www.esrnashville.com. <laughs> and yeah, in the, in the streets for sure. <laughs> uh, do you have any shows coming up? Yeah. Uh, so August 28th at the OG Basement, we've got the sacred and Vern and ducky neptune and then i'm about to announce a show with an unconfirmed lineup at the cobra on september 25th and then we've got the first thursday of every month at kimbrose too all right do you have any show dates that you would like to plug as well um i mean i'm just on broadway every week uh, i'll what be are your usual I'm schedules. at Tootsie's uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays on the roof, 6 to 10, and Honky Tonk Central Main Stage, 6 to 10 on Fridays and Saturdays. Uh, I will be in Ohio a little bit more. I'm going to be going to Ohio this weekend, uh, and I'll be playing in Cogga Falls at the Eagles Club. So that's nice. going to be really cool. But that's more of like a private event. Very and cool. yeah, unless you're like my buddy up there, I can't <laughs> get you in. Sorry. But I'm going to just keep posting dates as they come. So. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. See you next week.